Hi, Pastor Greg here. I'm the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church in Jordan, Montana. I'm very excited to introduce a brand new series, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Thank you so very much for being a part of this podcast and listening to this. I hope that you enjoy this series. So without further introduction, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. We are in part two of the term infinite and it's amazing um, that um, that there's a certain individual who is here because I think they are going to like this one um, but it's infinite grace this is where is where we're going with this infinite grace so last week we did infinite God so we are in part 14 of Jesus the Christ the Messiah and this is a side note and we're in the infinite portion and last week was infinite God this week is infinite grace and so we're in Ephesians 2 4 through 10 and I normally read out of the New King James Version Bible and the red Bibles that are in your pews are New King James Version Bible but I was looking at the King James Version on this and I loved how the G the King James Version put this and so I'll be reading out the King James Version for this um, in Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for everything that you do in our hearts and our lives. I want to thank you, Lord God, for how, how wonderful Lord God, you work things out and how you work in, in situations. And I pray, Lord God, that we may have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday, fellowshipping with one another and worshiping you. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay. So you caught that I'm saying we're in part 14. If you want to check the previous portions of this, Jesus the Christ the Messiah, you can go to agjordanmt.com and you will find past podcasts, past YouTube. You can get it on a Google podcast. Um, I was talking with, I do believe, Rhonda the other day, and she was uh, in Spotify, uh, and it, uh, Jordan Assembly of God Church popped up um, in her podcast, and she's like, oh, that's so cool. So um, she was, you're able to get it on Spotify and stuff like that. So if you're into any of those um, streaming services, uh, you, can, you can find it there. We're in part two, infinite grace, of this side note that is a part of um, the Jesus the Christ the Messiah, part 14. And just to kind of recap a little bit here, infinite means boundless, no limitation, unable to grasp. And one of the things I brought up last week, last Sunday, was that in today's day and age, in infinite 
is kind of taking on this characteristic of being in grasp, like you can grasp it, like, like it's something that you can understand, like it's something that you can define. Here's the problem. We cannot define infinite. There's no way to define infinite because we are by sheer definition finite. And finite can never, ever define infinite. We can't. We can't grasp it. I can talk about the goodness of God in the fact of what, I, uh, what he has done for me. You can share with me what you have seen God done in your life or what other people have shared with you, but you cannot describe to me God because only God can describe himself. And when God described himself in Job, he was like, did you make the stars? Were you there when everything was put into place? Are you the one that actually tells the water where to stop? So infinite is not something that you can grasp. It's not something that you can even define. We can just kind of say this is kind of what it is. It doesn't have any it doesn't have any beginning. It doesn't have any end. It's been around prior to anything where in our lives something has to have a beginning and something has to have an end. So then we talked about the goodness that the goodness of God is perfect, that he makes perfect. That when he formed you in the womb, you were perfect. Were you born with the knowledge of good and evil? Yes, you were. You were born into this world. You were born into that sin. But you were made perfect. And you were also born at the exact proper time for you to be born. Let no one ever say that somebody was born by mistake. For that simply just does not happen. Other people can think it's a mistake. You may even think it was a mistake. You may struggle with that. But there is a purpose that only God knows for your life. And if you choose to acknowledge and follow after God, you're going to know exactly what that purpose was. But Greg, my life was really bad. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to say I understand it because I didn't live your life. But I am going to say that whatever has gone on in your life, that God will work that and walk that out. Why? Because he is good. And then we talked about um, the whole finite can never describe infinite. That infinite must describe infinite. So now we're getting into infinite grace and also in combination with this infinite mercy. Now, honestly, let's be very honest. There's a particular individual in this room right now that could probably have like 3,000 hours of talking about the amount of grace. And actually, we could probably spend hours and hours and hours sharing just the amount of grace that we have found in our own lives. But as I am, you know, have a habit to do, I like to define words. Okay. All right. So 
I like to go to the most current definition that I can find, and that's 1828. I'm loving that. By the way, if anybody is ever interested, I keep the 1828 dictionary here at the church, and if you're ever really wondering what the word was in the original, you can find it. Okay? So, grace. Now, I am not going to go through all this, but I am going to say this is a direct quote. I am not reading from the scriptures. I'm not reading a commentary, and I am not reading a theological book. I'm reading the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, and I quote, Grace. The primary sense of gratis is free, ready, quick, willing, prompt, means favor, goodwill, kindness, disposition to oblige another as a grant made as an act of grace or each or all may win a lady's grace. That's one. Appropriately, the free, unmerited love and favor of God. The spring and source of all the benefits men receive from him. And if by grace, then it is no more of works, quoting Romans 11.6. This is in the dictionary, by the way. Favorable influence of God, define, divine influence, infinite, divine influence, or the influence of the Spirit in renewing the heart and restraining from sin. My grace is sufficient for thee, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. The application of Christ's righteousness to the sinner, where sin, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, Romans 5, 20. A state of reconciliation to God, Romans 5, 2. Virtuous or religious affection or disposition as a liberal disposition, meaning it's something that, that it's just a part of their life. They can't help but do it. Faith, meekness, humility, patience, etc. Proceeding from divine influence. Even Webster's Dictionary knew that grace came from divine influence. Spiritual instruction, improvement, and edification, and edification, Ephesians 4.29. Apostleship, or the qualification of an apostle, Ephesians 3.8. Eternal life, final salvation, 1 Peter 1-13. Favor, mercy, pardon. Direct quote. You would have thought that I would have found that in a commentary. You would have thought that I would have found that in like some theological Education. No, I literally opened up Webster's Dictionary, looked up grace, and I got more scriptures in, in, in the Webster's Dictionary than I did in the Strongest Concordance. That's all I'm saying. Okay, well, okay, maybe not quite that much, but still, it's all there. Meaning if you were a student in 1828 and your teacher told you, hey, go up, look up the word grace, you have your own Bible study. Okay? Today's definition, and you're going to find this a little bit interesting. Have you noticed that today's definition normally takes God completely out? Turns out you're going to be a little bit shocked about today's definition because apparently there's some things that you just can't take out. 
unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. A virtue coming from God. A state of sanctification enjoyed through divine assistance. Some things you just can't remove. So <clears throat> I looked up Mercy, 1828 version. <clears throat> that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which dis disposes a person to overlook injury. I, I think I enunciated that correctly. Maybe. I'm looking at my wife and I'm hoping. A person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. The disposition that tempers justice. Tempers justice. Notice that. Mercy tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear punishment or inflict less than law or justice will warrant. In this sense, there is perhaps no word in our language precisely synonymous with mercy. That which comes nearest to it is, can anybody guess? Grace, exactly. It's the closest thing that comes to it. It implies benevolence, tenderness, mildness, pity, or compassion, and clemency. But exercised only towards offenders, mercy is a distinguishing attribute of the Supreme Being. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving inequity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty. Numbers 14, 18. Use the Old Testament, by the way. Today's dictionary definition Compassion or forbearance, shown especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power. Begged for mercy, imprisonment rather than death. And here's, here's one that you'll find interesting. A blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. May God have mercy on us. Like I said, there's some truths you cannot cannot not have. Infinite grace and infinite mercy. We are in Ephesians chapter 2, looking at verses 1 through 10. It's like, Greg, you started out in Ephesians. I know. We're going to chunk through, and we're going to go a little bit before in this. And I am going to be in the New King James Version, but if you have the King James Version, please understand I do absolutely positively respect that version, especially when it comes to this, because there is a lot there. Once I find Ephesians. Still remember that time when Floretta saved me on a Sunday on a Sunday morning. I will still remember that to my dying day. I can't remember. It had to have been about two, three years ago. Two, three years ago, I was up here and I was looking for a certain particular book in the Bible and I was completely in the wrong place. And I was like, ah, and Florida like popped up and said, Greg, it's there. I'm like, Whew, thank you. It's like, <laughs> but in Ephesians chapter two, and let's, I'm going to, I'm going to go before that. Ephesians chapter two, looking at verse one, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Does that kind of sound like an offender to you? 
in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when we were the offender, even when we were the ones that were made the decision to do so, knew what was right and knew what was wrong, but yet made that decision to do what was wrong instead, even that God looked at us, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, which doesn't mean it's like, well, their opinions need to match mine, or their viewpoint needs to match mine, or they, they need to think like I think. They need to act like I act. It has nothing to do with that. Our togetherness is found in Christ. Our fellowship is found in Christ. So when we live, we live as one who has been bought and paid for, by Christ. It is not I who live, but Christ in me. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, this is not this is not you being saved and coming together because of your works. It is you coming together because you are saved by Christ and then working. Does that make any sense at all? It, it and that's a very fine line. So many people get wrapped up into you have to be a good person to come to church. You have to be a good person to come to know God. You have to be a good person. No, actually, you have to be an offender. Jesus Christ didn't come to heal the, the people who are already well. He came to heal the sick. God sent his son to die on the cross, not because you were a perfect person or because you were better than another person. He sent his son to die on the cross because you're a sinner like everybody else. Infinite can only describe infinite. Can I grasp grace? No, I can't. There is no level that I can grasp grace. The minute I try to describe grace to you, I have already limited it. Why? Because it's going to be based on what I think should find grace. Oh, that will find grace and that will find grace, but uh, that one probably not. I've already limited it. That person can come to know Jesus, that person can come to know Jesus, but yeah. Really? The grace of God is infinite. Why? Because he is infinite. You cannot bind the grace of God. 
Why do you think we go out and we shed light on and we minister to the hearts and minds of people? Why is it important for our, and actually Jen was teaching Sunday school class, and, and by the way, I, yeah, J- Justin cut these out and put a whole punch in. He said, this is, this is a dinosaur necklace. And then he said, Dad, sit down. I'm like, so put these on. This is the fruit of the spirit. You got goodness, got self-control, you got joy, you got kindness, faithfulness, uh, love, uh, whatever, uh, peace, and gentleness. You got them all right here. All of them. And, and of course, I had to wear it because you know that was that's important. You have to wear those kind of things. But it's like Jen was talking in Sunday school class, and I was learning because she's a Sunday school teacher, and so you learn from Sunday school teachers, right? I mean, that's how that's supposed to go, right? And so she's teaching Sunday school class, and she said that that your behavior, your behavior is the ministry to other people. Okay? And I probably got it wrong because, you know, I... I have a hard time learning, so I'll probably have to continue to go to Sunday school class. So if you see me downstairs, you'll know where I'm going. But your behavior, the, the reason why it's important for you to love your enemy is because your behavior ministers to your enemy. The reason why it's important to have the joy of the Lord in your strength, not so that you're giddy and laughing all the time at everything, but that the joy of the Lord, that in the midst of the most tragedy, you have a peace that passeth all understanding. Because why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength to go through it. The reason why it's important for you to forgive one another is because you are ministering to the offender that which you have been given because you are an offender. You see what I'm saying? Is that that whole entire prayer That whole entire prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Okay, here's the thing though. You got to combine that verse with what was revealed to Paul and Paul wrote down in Romans 8. How can I call God Father? Not me. You want to know why? Because finite cannot describe God. But it is who that witnesses to my spirit that I am a child of God. It is the spirit of God that witnesses to my spirit that I am a child of God. And by the spirit of God, I say, Abba, Father. Infinite. Describing infinite. It is not I who declare God as Father, but it is the Spirit of God within me that witnesses to my spirit that I am a child of God and being a child of God because of the Spirit of God, because Jesus Christ died on the cross. I am a child of God. It's not because I'm this great person. It's like, oh, he's a child of God. You know, no. It's because Jesus Christ died on the cross. And then I live because he didn't stay dead, but then three days later, he rose again. 
So I'm alive because of him. I live because of him. I declare the creator of heaven and earth, infinite God. I cry out, Abba, Father. And so when I pray the prayer that Jesus taught, the only way I can pray that prayer is by the Spirit of God. And we're going to be getting into that one deeper later on. But infinite grace. Infinite grace. If I concentrate on Jesus, the things of this world that keeps on, the finite of this world, won't bother. Got to ask yourself a question. Did Jesus give a limited grace or infinite? Did Jesus provide a little or a perfect amount of grace? And here's the interesting thing. You will answer that question based on your thoughts about God. And remember, we're looking at the goodness of God. We're looking at the goodness of God. Based on how you approach God, based on your thoughts about God, is going to determine how you feel grace is applied to you. Here's the interesting thing. Grace isn't applied based on how you feel grace is applied. Because it's infinite grace. It's infinite God. It is something that you cannot understand, you cannot grasp. It can only be given. It can never be, you, you cannot grasp it because it can only be given and is given through Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. So, infinite grace, infinite mercy. And we are warned not to abuse grace and mercy. We are also told in Romans 8, 37 through 39, Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Notice that. I'm a conqueror not through myself, but through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. It's like, well, Greg, what about that whole, you know, like different viewpoints and whatever? I, I'm sorry, I don't hear God saying different viewpoints. I hear God saying that he loved you, and because he loved you, he sent his son to die on the cross for you. That's what I'm hearing him say. I'm hearing an infinite God with infinite grace and mercy, understanding the, the finite of this world and the finite of the people and understanding that and realizing that the only way that you're going to be able to get to communicate with God is to have the Spirit of God within you. And the only way for that to happen is for the price to be paid. But it cannot be paid by a finite. It has to be paid by infinite.
the best, you want, you want the best definition of grace, of infinite grace, is Jesus on the cross. What is that verse? No man has any love for another man to lay down his life for his friend. Do you believe I quoted that properly? I hope so. I'm sure Jim will tell me later. Infinite grace, infinite mercy, infinite God. When I say I am forgiven, it's not because I feel forgiven. It's because God forgave. And sometimes you kind of have to get past yourself in order to realize that that forgiveness is there so that you start living a free life rather than a life of shame. Sometimes you have to tell yourself that you believe in what God says and not believe in what you feel. Because what you feel is going to be way different than what God says. Are there consequences when we do wrong? Yes, everybody knows that. If you don't, you should. But does God, just because of the consequences, does God give up on you? No. Infinite God. Infinite, infinite grace. Infinite mercy. Because what are we aiming for? Are we aiming for here? Or are we aiming for eternity? Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord God, in everything you do and how you do. And as we enter into communion, I pray, Lord God, that you may bless this time as we remember why we are here. And as we remember the price that was paid, may you be glorified, Lord God, in all things and in all ways. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and taking the time. I hope that you enjoyed this series. If you would like to follow this podcast as well as other podcasts, you may go to agjordanmt.com. I hope you have a wonderful day.